welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you can please turn with me to 2 John chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 6. The title of our message here this morning is Walk This Way. Walk This Way. Years ago, I, when we lived in Santa Ana, we lived kind of close to the railroad tracks, and I used to do you know, my kind of prayer walks near the railroad tracks and just spending time with the Lord. And one of the times as I was walking, there was a lot of pebbles, and one of the pebbles got lodged inside of my shoe, and as I was walking, it was kind of making its way down, you know, on the side, and then it kind of made its way down underneath my foot, and then finally it was like uh, near the, the ball of my, my foot, and it's underneath there, and as I was walking, it was like, oh, and I was kept walking, I was like, oh, this is, you know, it was very irritating to step on it, you know, but I didn't, I was too lazy to, to take my shoe off, so I was like, oh, and I kept walking and kept walking, and after a while, it's like, well, that's not so bad. And it doesn't hurt as much. And so I was, I was kind of getting comfortable with it in there. And then I was, you know, kept walking and walking and talking with the Lord. And I felt like, that is crazy. Just take off your shoe. So I took my shoe off and I poured out the pebble. And then I put my shoe back on and everything was fine. And there was no distraction. And I think about that with our walk with the Lord. How sometimes we allow a little sin to get in and we think, oh, oh, this is terrible. I can't believe I did this. And after a while, we're like, we're, we get comfortable in our sin. And God would say, just dump it out. Pour it out on the cross. Just allow me to take it away. Allow me to, to remove that from your life because I want you to walk with me. I want you to have that you know, walk that I have for you. And there's certain ways the Lord would have us to walk, and we're going to look at that. But I want to say before we get into our text, uh, when the Bible talks about walking, it talks, it, it's referring to a lifestyle. It's a daily practice, what we're to do daily, how we're to be in a daily, on a daily basis. That's, that's what it means when it says walking. It's a, it's a total lifestyle that we have with the Lord. So with that being said, I just want to read these few verses. So 2 John chapter 1, verse 4. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. The Apostle John writes, I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth, as we receive commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So Lord, as we look at walking, having a lifestyle, Lord, of the things of you. As we look into your wonderful word, Lord, this wonderful law of liberty that we have that's right before us, may your word penetrate our hearts. And may it again, may it just continue to be a time that we hear from you. Bring this word alive to us, Lord. We know it is alive, but may it come alive to all of us that are here today. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated, please. As a reminder, the Apostle John, as he writes this second letter, he's writing it to a lady. He even called her the elect lady. 
And we're not sure exactly who he's talking about. Some uh, believe that he's talking about a church, the lady, the, the, the bride of Christ. And it's kind of a code name because of the heavy persecution. So John's leaving names out to protect people from getting harmed if the letter uh, you know, ends up in the wrong hands. So we're not sure exactly who this lady is. So possibly it's a church that he's talking about. And then her children are their congregation. And some believe that. Others believe this lady is an actual woman, and again, he's leaving her name out, but uh, that she hosts a Bible study at her home, and because they had many home Bible studies, so he's writing to this woman that's hosting the Bible study, and the children would be those believers that, uh, that attended the Bible study. So uh, either way, though, it has application for us because this is going out to believers. So if you're a believer here today, this word is for you. This word's for us. And he's again talking about a walk and how we're supposed to walk. So if we can, I'm gonna put up on the screen, the verse four, it says, I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. That's God the Father. So John's writing this letter to this lady or to this church and, and to this study or, or where the Bible is going out. And as we're going to look at in the upcoming weeks, probably next week and the week after, there's false teachers that are traveling. And so possibly some believe that false teachers were going to this lady's house and she was you know, allowing them to come in and, and teach. And so he's kind of bringing correction and you'll see that in the next you know, few weeks. But, but here... He's saying, I, I rejoice greatly that I find some of them are walking in truth. Some of them are getting it. Some of them are walking in the ways of the Bible. Some of them, and I believe this is my understanding of this. He's kind of saying, you know, I'm glad that some of them aren't falling for the false prophecies. They're not falling for the false teachers. And so I'm glad and I'm rejoicing that some of them are, are walking in truth. If you can turn with me the next page over in, in 3 John, he writes... In verse four, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And the apostle, being an apostle, but also being a pastor and a teacher and an elder, it, something about when a pastor you know, sees people walking in truth, it, it rejoices our heart. There's no greater joy. Me as a pastor, when I see people you know, give their life to the Lord or you know, standing up and giving their life to Christ or raising their hand, and then I, and I watch the work of the Holy Spirit take place in their life, and then I watch them you know, help out, and then they're ushering or helping in the parking lot, or they're in the children's ministry, and then they become leaders, and then we even see some that go to be missionaries, and you see all this, and it's like, there's no greater joy to think that somehow we were a small part of that to watch them walk in truth and to watch the Word of God transform their lives, and, and we greatly rejoice when we see that. But you know it's disheartening for a pastor, it's, as the Apostle John would say, when you see people not walking in truth, there's times, you know, I run into, just not too long ago, run into a guy that, you know, he hasn't been here for a while, and he used to come to the church regularly, and basically he's outside the bar, and he's kind of staggering like this, and he's trying to make his way home, and I pulled over and said, hey, so-and-so, I won't say his name, and, and I said, hey, how's it going? He said, hey, yeah, can I get a ride home? And he said, yeah, come on in. And he kind of went back into that lifestyle of drinking and getting drunk all the time. And it's just, it breaks the heart of a pastor to see that when they're, when they're not walking in the truth of God's word, when they're, when they're not walking in, the God's, in God's ways and that path that God has for them and the enemy's ripping them off and the flesh is, is having dominion over them. And it's a, it's a warning for us, beware that we walk in the truth. 
Any one of us can fall, but can I say this? If you fall, get back up. If you mess up, get back up. If you, if you make a mistake and you sin against the Lord, go to the cross of Jesus Christ, confess it, for, because the Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from? I'm so glad you guys walk in truth. All unrighteousness. So our topic Walk this way. So very simply, right here we see, you know, how, we're to, how are we to walk? Well, right in this verse it says, walk in truth. Walk in truth. What does it mean to walk in truth? I believe one thing it means is to be obedient to the word of God, allowing the word of God to control every area of your life. It also means to think and live biblically. To think and live biblically. Another definition I would say of this, another meaning of this, would to, it means to be occupied by the Bible completely. To be totally occupied with this word of God that's right here. In other words, when you get up in the morning, you're reading it. Throughout the day, you're thinking about it. You're, you're mulling on it. You're chewing on it. And not only that, you, there's people in your life and they, they come to you with problems. You're like, wow, I just read that this morning. You share the word of God. And it's, just, it's, a, it's a total part of your life. You're totally occupied with it. Do you know the enemy wants us to be occupied with the things of this world? Even good things. We can just get so consumed with the things of this world, can't we? I'm very compulsive. You know, if I do something, I do it all or nothing. That's how I am. If I can't do it all out and do it completely, it's like I don't want anything to do with it. But you know how good that is when it comes to the Word of God? To be consumed with the Word of God, to be consumed with the truth of God's Word and to, to just apply the Word of God? I'm sure you've heard this before. Someone once said, this book, talking about the Bible, will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from this book. Isn't that true? This book will keep you from sin, but sin will keep you from this book. Amen? I love what Job said. Job said, Job 23, 12, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. That's the word of God. His commandments. Listen to this. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. That tells us that Job, before he ate anything, before he had breakfast, before he had steak and eggs, he was in the word of God. He, 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 he thought upon the word of God. He, he you know, contemplated the word of God. He desired the word of God more than his food even. And I believe that's walking in truth. When we truly put the word of God before our needs, before our, the things that we crave, the things that we want. I just want to put one word up, just the obedience. Sometimes we don't like hearing that, do we? Obey. But that's what we're called to do, to be obedient to the word of God, to obey the word, not just hear it, not just recite it, not just memorize it, not just read it, but to Obey it. I remember many, many years ago when I was in like first or second grade, I, we used to stop at a party store before we went to school. Our parents would give us, I think like a quarter for allowance or something like that, 15 cents for allowance. That was our, 
So we would take, you know, and buy candy before we'd go to school. And so I remember I gave the, the owner, he was, uh, you know, behind the counter, and I gave him so much for like three pieces or four pieces of candy. And, and so he owed me a nickel or a dime or something like that. And he said, you know, he said, okay, you're done. And I said, no, no, you owe me a nickel or a dime. And he goes, he goes no, no, get out of here. You're, you're, you know, he thought that it was okay, that that was the right price. Well, I know that wasn't the right price. So I was underneath the counter there. He couldn't see. So my hand, I took a piece of candy for the exact amount the exact amount for whatever it was, the nickel or the dime. And I, I went like this. I put it in my pocket. I said, okay, all right. That's like, that's like I'm fair square. You know, I'm, making it, I'm making it even, all right? And I'll never forget, I go outside the store. My sister's there. God bless her. And she, she, she's there and she looks at she, she, you know, I told her what happened. And she says, well, how did you take it without him seeing? I says, well, I'm so short. He can't see my hand underneath here. And she goes, no way. She goes, can you get a bunch of candy that way? <laughs> I said, sure, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so the next time we go to the store, she told me we had it all planned out. She says, well, you know, the owner's wife's sometimes there, and so I'll distract her so she can't see you, and I'll make sure she can't see you do it, right? So let's, let's do this, you know? So I'm this high, you know, I'm a crook. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> So she's asking for like a shower cap or something like that. I don't know. And she's just going their way like this. And I'm looking at the owner smiling. And I'm filling my pockets up with candy. And it's like, and it's just smiling away. He's not catching anything. You know, and I'm like, this is really working. We're, we're going to score. And I'm thinking in my mind, week after week, we're going to make some real big money or something out of this. This is, this is going to be good. So as I'm making my way out the door, I'm walking out the door. I didn't realize I had a hole in my pocket. True story. <laughs> I'm leaving a trail of candy as I'm walking. And the owner's behind the counter and he screams at me. I go, what? And he looks, he points to the floor and I'm like, no. He ran out from the counter. He starts shaking me. As he's shaking me, more candy's falling out. And he was like, you know, give me your phone number. I'm calling your dad. I'm just, I'm pleading with him. Please, you know, kill me. Don't call my dad. My dad will kill me. Please don't call my dad. He says, I never want to see in this store again. I said, you got it. I'll never be in the store again. So I get kicked out of the store. But the thing is, listen to this. I know, I knew that stealing is wrong. I knew that even as a little kid. Why? Because my parents taught me don't steal, right? Where did they get that from? Where do we get our rules from, our laws from? From the Bible. The Bible says that, you know, God chastens the ones he loves. You know, growing up, I couldn't get away with nothing. I don't know about you. I got caught all the time. And I look back at that and I see that's the love of God for my life. But where do we get these rules from? Where do we get these laws from? Where do we get these? We get them from the Bible. And God desires us to apply them because they're good for us. I love what James tells us. James chapter 1, verse 23. James chapter 1, 23, it says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. So a, a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's like a man that, that looks in the mirror and his hair's all a mess and he's got, you know, black junk all over his face and he looks in the mirror and he's like, ah. Uh, Oh, that's terrible. It just walks away and doesn't do anything. Doesn't fix anything. And that's what happens when we spend time in the Word and spend time in the Word and spend time in the Word. We just look at it. We say, oh, I'm terrible, God. Oh, I look terrible. Oh, this is terrible, God. And I, I fall so short and I need so much help. And then we just say, well, oh, well, I just stay the way I am. 
No, we're just to look in, the, in the, the mirror of the word of God and say, God, change me. God, forgive me. God, have mercy on me. God, I, I turn away from my sin. God, I repent. And it goes on to say, verse 25, James 1, 25, it says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Don't you like how that, that, that sounds, the perfect law of liberty? The law of God brings liberty. The law of God brings freedom. The, the law of God sets us free. When you look into this word of God, that's the perfect law of liberty that can set you free and you continue in it, in what? In the word of God. And you're not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. What does it say? This one will be blessed in what he does. Do you want to be blessed in what you do? Be a doer of the word. Do you want to be blessed in your life? Be a doer of the word. Do you want your family to be blessed? Be a doer of the word. Do you want your household to be blessed? Be a doer of your word, of God's word. Apply the word of God. Don't walk away from it and don't say, oh, I'm so terrible. You know, some people too, they, they get so overwhelmed and say, oh my goodness, I, you know, I, I, I fail in this area, I fail in this area, I fail. I can't, I can't do this. And they walk away. Instead of saying, Lord, I can't do this. I turn from my sin. I see it's wrong. Help me to walk in your ways. Amen? Remember years ago, when we lived in Santa Ana, there's a bank I used to go to, and I'd go to it almost every day. And there was a security guard there, and I would share with him the gospel. And one day, right there in front of the store, in front of the bank, with his gun on his side, he bowed his head to pray to receive Jesus. I was wondering why he had his eyes closed, because he's supposed to be a security guard, but he didn't care. He was just, he closed his eyes, gun on the side. He didn't care who was there. He didn't care if he'd get fired. He prayed and received Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. A friend of mine gave him a Bible, a little pocket Bible, so he could read it while he was at work. And I would go there, like I said, almost every day. And as I would go there, he'd have his little pocket Bible and he would just sit there, he'd watch, do his job, but he was just always in the word. He was just reading the word, reading the word. And then I made a habit of it. I'd come up to him and say, what are you reading today? And he would share with me. And then he'd ask me questions. Well, I read this, Pastor, but you know, I'm not sure what this means. What do you think about this? And I'd say, oh yeah, that's awesome. That's a great question. And then I would you know, interpret you know, what best I could and tell him what I felt it meant scripturally. And then I would tell him what I read that day. And I loved it. It was like a ministry. Every day, I'd just go up to him and just say, hey, you know, what are you reading today? Hey, guess what I'm reading today? And then we would just share it. I'd just spend my time just ministering. He'd minister to me, and it was just a wonderful time. One day, I came to the, the bank, and his face was just down, and he was just, he had his head down. I go, what's up? What's, what's wrong? What happened? And I said, something's really wrong with you. He says, I got to quit my job. I go, well, well, why do you have to quit your job? He says, well, a Christian came up to me and he, I told him I was a believer and he says, well, you can't be a believer and have a gun and you, you're going to have to quit your job. The Bible says, thou shalt not kill. I said, well, it's really thou shalt not murder. It's not killing. It's, it's murdering someone. And then I brought him to Romans chapter 13 and Romans 13, I showed him how he's a minister of God. He's also in the military. And I showed him that you don't wield your sword in vain. In other words, there's a reason why you have that gun. Because if someone comes in here and starts shooting, hopefully you can take him out before he takes too many other people out. I said, you're here to protect us. So I opened up Romans 13, read him Romans 13. And he was like, wow, so I don't have to quit my job. I said, amen, you don't have to quit your job. But you see the obedience that he had to the word of God? He was like ready. He's like, I, if God says that this is wrong, I'm going to do whatever it says. I want to walk in truth. 
No matter what it costs me, no matter what it hurts, if it hurts my family, I'm gonna, God will provide something else, but, but whatever it takes, and, and that's the heart all of us should have. No, no matter what it takes, this is the standard. This is what tells us you know, what's true, what's right, what's not right. Remember in Luke 11 when Jesus was talking to the multitudes? Remember a woman raised her voice and she said, and I'll put it up on the screen, Luke eleven twenty seven. She says, blessed is the womb that bore you. She's talking to Jesus. And, and the breast that nursed you. So she's just saying, wow, Mary is the greatest. You're, you know, Mary, you know, she bore you and then her breast fed you and she's such a blessed woman. And do you know what Jesus said? But Jesus said, it says, but he said more than that. More than that? More than his mother? This godly woman that raised him? More than that, he said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it, do it. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the crowd? They're like, yeah, Mary, she's wonderful. And she is blessed. Is she among women? And, and they're all like, yeah, she's so blessed. And then Jesus says, even more than that, blessed are those that hear my word and they keep it. They apply it. They're doers of the word of God. Jesus said in John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. If you do whatever I command you. I'm going to show you a picture. It's kind of disgusting, but I'll show it to you anyway. It's not what you think. It's Mountain Dew, actually. <laughs> Those are ants. It was funny. Pastor Chad actually took this picture, and he showed it to me. And, he, and I said, can you send that to me? So he sent it to me. These are ants. Check it out. You see all these? And for those of you that can't see, those of you are, uh, you can't see in the back, uh, there's a picture of, it's a cup of Mountain Dew, and there's a bunch of dead ants floating in there. They're dead. But there's a few live ants, if you can see, on the, the brim of the, the cup. And why are you saying, why are you showing this to me? I don't know. I thought you'd like to see it, though. But <laughs> No. I'm showing it to us to remind us that's what sin can do. It can kill us spiritually. And you look at the little ants. You see the ones that are, like, real close to the, to the, the Mountain Dew? They're, like, right there. Look, what about the ones staring down there, right, that? You see the ones staring down there? I don't know if you could see it on the big cup. He's a goner. I mean, he's that close. He's a goner. He's going to just taste it, and it's going to be so sweet, and he's just going to be, and he's just going to dive in. He's gone, you right? The ones at the top, I think they're, they're, they might be safe. They're kind of observing. They're looking down, and they're saying, wow, wait, I don't know if I want to go down there. These guys are all dying. And spiritually speaking, you know, sin is pleasurable for a season. You know, sin is pleasurable. It, sometimes it tastes good. It feels good. And, and all these things. And it, it's desirable for the eyes. And it's like it looks good. But we have to beware. This is what happens. We die spiritually. We die spiritually when we take hold of sin, when we, when we grab hold of the things of the world. We go back like a dog goes, returns to the vomit. We, there's a warning that goes out. Don't go back. I found this quote. I really like it. Life without God is like an unsharpened pencil. It has no point, right? I added this. Life without God and God's word is like an unsharpened pencil. It has no point. Life without God, life without God's word, what point is there? There's no point in life if you don't have God. Amen? It doesn't make any sense. And that's just like a pencil. It's useless. That pencil is useless. Yeah, you can use it as an eraser. That's all it's good for. Let's look back like in our text. Last two verses we'll look at. John the Apostle, last two verses in our text. Second John, verse 5 and 6. He says, now I plead with you, lady. So the church or the lady of this Bible study, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which you have had from the beginning. 
that we love one another. This is love, that we walk according to his commandments, and this is his commandment. Did you notice singular, commandment? What is the commandment? That as you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. What is that? That's love. We, he already said that. You've heard from the beginning that we should love one another. So we should walk in love. Love should dictate everything that we do. Love should be in the center of everything that we do. Love should govern us. We're going to inherit a blessing. So we bless other people. Someone, someone rips you off. Someone steals from you. And you, you know, you're like, Lord, get them whatever. You do whatever you want to do. But I'm just going to be a blessing to them. Guess what? God's going to bless you. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.